Welcome to the Plan Simple Podcast. I am your host, Mia Moran. Moms have the power to change the future, but not if we're stressed out and exhausted. Looking at food, lifestyle, spirituality, and work, the Plan Simple Podcast is for busy moms who want to create a healthier and happier future. Listen in for inspirational conversations and valuable strategies to plan for your best life. Welcome to this episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. I'm really excited to dive into our topic today. We are going to be talking about feelings. Get excited. So I talk a lot about feelings, but maybe not as often as I should. I'm realizing as I go back that this is a topic that is so important here at Plan Simple and so important to the flow planning process. And I want to start talking about it more because this work has been so important to me over the past couple of years, and I always want to pass what's been important to me back to you. So the flow planner, actually the first question of it is, how do you want to feel? And I have to say, we're in the midst of updating the flow planner and a couple of things are changing, but that thing is definitely not changing. That is where we're going to start no matter what, no matter how many revisions we make, we are going to keep that there. So by the way, stay tuned for the next version, which I'm going to be announcing soon. We've basically been working with so many people using the current version for the past two years. And so we've taken all the feedback we've gotten and all that we've learned about the planning process and journaling processes and actually thoughts and feelings. And we've integrated that back into the new version in a little bit different way. And I'm super excited to share that with you. Um, It was definitely something that got halted by the coronavirus, by the pandemic and being at home and printing companies closing down and mailing not working so well. So we put it on hold for a little bit, but it's coming back and I'm so excited to share it with you. So stay tuned for that. Anyway, it always starts with the question, how do you want to feel? So I've been thinking about feelings for some time because obviously it came out a couple years ago. And When it first came out, I was really struck by the impact that asking this question had on everybody who I worked with to go through the flow planning process. I'm still stunned. You know, it's, we've been through many 90 day retreats and every weekend that we do the retreat, we spend a lot of time on the words and how we want to feel. And every time that is the part that really impacts people's lives, I think because from that feeling place, then they're choosing what they want to do. And it's really powerful. And as I started doing this work, and obviously when we're starting a season, we're picking really positive feelings, right? The way that we want to feel. So I started to wonder about negative feelings. And I started to wonder because I realized that I didn't really let myself feel very many negative feelings. In fact, I was pretty good at feeling something for a brief second and then figuring out how to put a smile back on my face. And sometimes I would do that by just taking a deep breath, but many times I would do that by eating a piece of chocolate, having a glass of wine, scrolling through Instagram, you know, all these different mechanisms basically for hiding and not feeling my feelings. So When I started doing this work, it was just so cool to see the power in feeling all feelings, the negative ones and the positive ones, because I believe that you kind of need to know what they both feel like in order to really feel the positive ones. 
So it's been an amazing journey. And the reason that I want to share it with you today is because it's been extra helpful in the past three weeks. Because every week, every day, I learn new areas of my life, which I'm not allowing those feelings to really come in. And racism was one of them. So when everything went down in the US a couple weeks back, um, I guess we're three weeks now back, four weeks, I started to really listen. And I started feeling really awful. And I wasn't quite sure what to do with that. And so I really got coached, got help on how to feel those feelings and what to do next. And it made a huge impact. So I wanted to get someone on today who could speak that language and who I could have a conversation with and who actually knows a lot more about this than I do um, so that she could really have this conversation with us. So we, we start by just talking about the idea of thoughts and feelings Um, and this model where our thoughts do lead to our feelings. And then we relate it back to racism. So today on the podcast, I have the awesome Laura Schwartzbaugh. And Laura is a life coach for coaches. And her whole methodology is all about the power of our thoughts and feelings. And I just want to tell you a little bit about her so you know who we're talking to, and then we're going to get her on the show. Five years ago, you would have found Laura on her couch holding a big glass of wine and searching for her future future husband on human eBay, what she called Match.com. She was burned out by teaching. She was lonely and bored and ate to entertain herself. She was sure that happiness was not available to her. On the outside, though, it looked like she loved her job, was crushing it as a single mom, and loved life. But on the inside, she was constantly judging herself for nearly every choice she made. I can definitely relate to that moment, except the human eBay. I have not had to do that. Today, Laura is happily remarried and works full-time coaching life coaches. She feels confident about her decisions from relationships and career to food and alcohol. She made all of this happen through life coaching. She spends all day helping other life coaches create this level of certainty, confidence, and trust in their own lives. She believes coaching is the secret sauce to living more meaningful and joyous life. She is a certified life coach through life life coach school. Prior to becoming a coach, she was an educator for 27 years. And I am super excited to welcome her to the show today. So with no further ado, let's talk thoughts and feelings with Laura. Hi, Laura. Welcome to the Plan Simple podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited that you reached out and that we made the connection because you talk about a topic that is near and dear to my heart and I cannot wait to tell our listeners about. But before we do that, will you just tell us a little bit about you and you as a, what you do for a living and also as a mom um, and where you are in the world? Just you know, the big picture so we know who we're talking to. Absolutely. Um, I am a mom and a stepmom, so a bonus mom. I have bonus kids. I have a 24-year-old daughter and a 21-year-old son, son, and I have a 13-year-old stepdaughter. She just turned 13 and an 11-year-old stepdaughter, and I am remarried to the man of my dreams. I 
um, decided in 2015 I was going to meet my second husband. I made a vision board and I met him on September 4th, 2015, and we got married August 4th, 2018. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> so I was like, fun. wait, which year was that? It's and um, <laughs> I am a full-time life coach and I coach coaches one-on-one. Um, I'm like a generalist, but I only work with coaches. It's amazing. I have all kinds of coaches I work with and I help them clean out their brains and their thinking and feel their feelings so that they can show up exactly how they want to in their lives and in their businesses. And I've been doing that for a few years. I retired after 27 years in education. I was a high school teacher and also a professor. Um, I had a very long, winding, interesting education career that I adored, but it was time for me to do my own thing. I love that. How many, tell me how many, you were 29 years? 27 years, 27 years uh, teaching teacher. either in, at, in higher ed or in, at the high school level. I was an English and um, history teacher. I taught American history. And my, before that, I was an academic in American studies, which is kind of the combination of literature and history, sort of, kind of, and culture. <laughs> so cool. I love, I love stories of transformation <laughs> and just yeah. what, how we have, I feel like that shows how many second chances and third chances and all the chances that we have. So I love hearing that. And it's funny because recently I've met so many people who got the chance for the second marriage. And it's so fun to watch, you know, friends and colleagues find a second person and people find a second career. And I love when we can see that that's possible. Yeah. Oh yeah. So fun. All right. So we are going to dive into this favorite topic of mine these days, because it's a lot of the work I've actually personally been doing for the last year and a half, which is about our thoughts and our feelings. So can we start by sharing the model, which is something that I learned, you know, a year and a half or so ago. And um, it was so fun to hear that this is what you teach. (laughs) So will you tell us a little bit about what that is? Um, so that what we talk about after really makes sense to everyone listening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, The model is something that Brooke Castillo put together that is really, she's always said it's not original. It's just a combination of a lot of things that she learned. And it's the thought model and it's a way to understand what you're thinking um, and how the results you have in your life. If you look around your life and look at exactly what you have, your marriage, your kids, your house, everything, your business, your job, whatever it is, it's all from your thoughts. And the idea is, the powerful idea is that no matter what results you have, you can change your results by changing your thinking. And um, so it's a particular tool that we use to understand our thinking so that we can understand how we're feeling and then understand what actions we're taking. And then from our actions, of course, what results we're creating in our lives. So it's a tool you can use to understand things that you don't like about your life and things that you want to create in your life. Um, It's an incredibly powerful tool. And my favorite thing about it is that it means that we get to take complete responsibility and credit for everything in our lives. So we get all of our power back instead of what I used to do, which was blame others for my emotions, blame others for my frustrating situation that I, I was helpless to get out of. I it completely changed my life because it made me understand how I had all of the responsibility, which meant that I could make any change I wanted to make. And I really credit it to the fact that I'm now a very successful entrepreneur, a six-figure entrepreneur with an amazing business, 
parenting, step parenting. My marriage is incredible. Um, my relationships with my family members, some of whom I wasn't that close to for years and years, I'm closer to just so many different aspects of my life that literally three years ago would have seemed crazy. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So one of the biggest ahas for me, just for anyone who's like, well, gosh, that sounds like a lot of words <laughs> when I'm listening, <laughs> um, was that a lot of what I thought was real, so one might ca call a circumstance, yeah. was actually a thought I was having about something that was much more you know, neutral that I was having a sort of loaded thought about. Um, and thinking that that was the fact, right? So yes. that's, I think, where the initial power really comes in is like realizing like, oh, you know, I'm trying to think of what a good example is. Like, it's not that- I have a good example. Okay, go, <laughs> go, go, go. So gonna... if, for example, somebody reaches out to you for a consult, if you're a coach or uh, with interest in your business, mm -hmm. and then they quote unquote ghost you, you never hear from them again. Mm -hmm. It's very easy for our brains and particularly our primitive brain, which skews negative. It's hardwired to skew negative all the time. That's its job is to look for danger. Basically um, it's going to make things up. If we don't, if we don't manage it and we don't kind of attend, pay attention to it, it will think, Oh, this means they didn't really like what I said. They don't really believe in my business. I'm not really good at what I'm doing. I'm not. So we make it mean all these things when in fact it might mean the person forgot or the person got busy or the person's kid is in the ER. It could mean anything, right? right? But we make things up about they didn't return my call or they didn't show up to the meeting or they didn't follow up, right? Right. We make it mean something about us. And in right. fact, we have absolutely no idea what happened. Right. Yeah. Okay. I think that will help everyone make sense of this. So, so it goes from a circumstance to a thought, to a feeling, to an action, to a result. So what you and I talked about, what we would talk about today was the action part. And that really ties into what we do here because we're talking a lot here about planning. Yeah. And one of the things that can really hurt some people is they get really excited about creating a vision for what they want. And what we do here is we do that vision and then we make a plan. And then, you know, if, if you work closely enough with us, we're actually holding your hand through that. And you'll hear a lot of this language about thoughts and feelings when we're doing that. But if you go off and do it yourself, then I know a lot of people, myself very much included, I had to do years of work on this. We can make the plan and not actually do the things that are on our plan. So we have this amazing vision. We, we know what we want. We can even figure it out in a, in a list or in a calendar. And then the day comes and we're like, oh my gosh, I can't do that. So will you unpack that a little bit for us? Yeah. Um, a couple of things. The first thing is that um, we genuinely, we generally feel a negative emotion and we're not aware of the thought that we're thinking. Okay. So we, so let's say that I decide, which I have, that I'm going to double down on my health this year. 2020 was the year that I was going to um, reach my income goal and um, take exquisite care of my body um, yep. because of, uh, I actually had a stroke in December. Uh, oh my gosh. Kind of a, a freak a freak accident, not an accident, but it felt like a freak accident in my brain. I'm completely fine. Thank 
goodness, but um, it made health like, do you really care about your health, Laura? If you do, it's time to take it even more seriously. And so I'm very focused on my nutrition right now and my eating. Yep. And so let's say you have a plan where you want to lose a certain number of pounds in 2020. Um, and you even go to the point where you plan, I'm going to write down what I'm going to eat tomorrow today, right? Or I'm going to write down the foods that I will eat. And so I plan that. And then let's say it's 7 p.m. and I've been working hard all day and I'm tired and the popcorn is calling my name, so to speak, right? And I just feel like I've worked so hard. I, I just feel like I want that popcorn. And so I eat the popcorn, right? And so there's an action that I've taken that is not aligned with my goal, my right. plan, my vision, right. my, my dream, which is to have this really, really healthy body, which means for me losing weight. Um, and so what we often don't have any idea of is why did that happen? Why did right. I eat that thing that I wasn't planning on eating, right? I, I, it's not something that I want to be eating. I know that about myself. I know that I want to be eating these things and not snacking and whatever. Yeah, and we so, usually just beat ourselves up, right? And then we beat ourselves <laughs> We're up. We're so mean. <laughs> right. Right. I'm such an idiot. I can't believe I did that. I'm always going to be fat. Da, 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 da. Of course. Yeah. We're so good at beating ourselves up. And so what we need to do, I believe, in order to change that result is we have to understand the thought that creates that feeling of desire, right? Mm. It's just a very, the feeling there is desire. I want the popcorn. It's desire. It's a lovely feeling in some contexts, right? Yeah. Sex. Hello. <laughs> right. But with food, maybe not so much, um, depending on our plan and our vision and our dreams. So um, we're not aware of the thought. So if we can backtrack to the thought and capture that thought and, and then take, use the model, plug it into the model is the way we, we talk about it, those of us who work with the model, and then see the emotion that the thought creates. So mm. what was the thought that created the desire? And then what are the actions that follow from desire? Our actions always come from our emotions. Everything we do is from an emotion, but we need to peel kind of the onion back to the thought to understand how to change those emotions. And right. we can it's totally possible. All right. So, so, so how do we do that? Like what, so what do we do in the moment that we have, we're going to have the popcorn, right? Like no matter, we're going to make plans mm -hmm. and we're going to not follow them. I feel like that's a given. Is that true? Not a given at all. No. Okay. Um, you can change your thinking such that when you um, start to feel that emotion, you can recognize, oh, this is desire. So one of the things about emotions that's so powerful is starting to be aware of them and name them. Some people say name it to tame it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't particularly use that phrase, but that's a phrase that I've heard that I think could be really useful for some people. So once I notice, oh, I'm feeling this really urgent desire, this urge to eat this popcorn, I can drop into my body and I can feel my emotions instead of resisting my emotions or giving into my emotions, mm -hmm. right? And so a lot of us live, especially really smart, amazing women, we live in our heads and we're very good at ignoring our feelings. Mm -hmm. But when we start to realize that we can actually feel our emotions, it means that we're not going to need food or alcohol or Instagram to kind of ignore or disturb distract from our emotions. We can just feel our emotions and feeling an urgent desire to eat popcorn does not feel good, but we can handle it. We we're built for this. We can feel our emotions and take the action we actually want to take, which is I can then feel the emotion, feel the desire and then say, Oh yeah, that's right. Um, 
it's easy for my body to lose weight or some kind of intentional thought that I go to in that moment after I feel my emotions. Yeah, that's so interesting. And not like when I'm thinking about it, because a lot of times, especially in the process that I talk people through, we always start off with how you want to feel like as in the good emotion. And we forget that it's, I think we forget, or maybe we don't know that it's safe or okay or whatever to feel the bad emotion. And sometimes, I mean, what I've personally found in doing this work myself and, and really actually diving into it right now, even at a deeper level, is that in order to feel the really good, you also have to be able to feel the really, the really bad, like those, you have to be able to feel the whole spectrum of emotions. And I think a lot, I mean, I don't know if a lot of us, but I definitely spent a lot of time just trying to be in the middle, like, so that I didn't have to feel the bad, but that also meant that I never really felt the good. And I always felt like the good emotion was, you know, one can see me right now, but I have my hand up was hanging out like on a fishing rod, you know, and I couldn't quite ever get it until I started really letting myself feel the negative stuff too, which is so interesting. Yeah. And that's a lot of work I do with my clients is we have to learn to celebrate as well at like really feel the joy, the pleasure. Yeah. Um, Sometimes some coaches call it vitamin P, like what's our vitamin P and our pleasure that brings us joy. That's not food or alcohol or Instagram, right? Like a pleasure that has no negative repercussions um, about our goal. So if I really want to show up and do what I have on my calendar and I don't feel like doing my Facebook live, or I don't feel like writing my email to my list, or I don't feel like whatever it is, um, I, I will distract myself from that emote, from that emotion. So that like that, that short-term pleasure, what I'm trying to say is that short-term pleasure in the moment, eat the popcorn, mm-hmm. ignore um, the, the difficult conversation, the vulnerable conversation with my husband. Um, don't do the email that I said I was going to do to my list. I get a short-term pleasure because I'm like, ha, I'm not going to do it. Oh, this feels so good. But the long-term, it's a terrible um, feeling because then I haven't done what I said I was going to do. Yeah. And I'm somebody who wants to do, who wants to take action from what I said I was going to do. I want to always be that person. Yeah. All right. So I think we just hit the first emotion that really gets in the way of our actions, right? So what's the second one? Our feeling. So that first one is self-judgment. Okay. Is that what yeah. we just talked yeah, about? Yeah, I okay. think so, right? Isn't that, <laughs> I don't know if we called it self-judgment, but we were basically talking about self-judgment, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so I talk, yeah, I talk, I've been teaching a lot recently about, um, action killing thoughts thinking that really stops us from taking action and it's because of brain science so it's it's pretty cool i'm i'm a total nerd about the brain and so it's pretty cool about why it stops us so self-judgment anytime we're in self-loathing self-judgment throwing ourselves under the bus we're not going to take action our brain just wants to stay there and keep on churning out those kinds of thoughts i can't believe you ate the popcorn that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. right the second group is avoidance and it's avoidance of feelings. And so what we're doing is we're resisting really hard feeling our negative emotions. So Hmm. say I want to go on a Facebook live and I want to speak out about something that's happening in the world right now, which is something that I've been doing in terms of what's been happening very recently with George Floyd and um, racism and anti-racism in our country. And I'm scared because I'm white and I'm afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing. 
Mm -hmm. um, in my case, personally, some of my coaches have, I've been coaching them on this this week in terms of being vulnerable and being afraid. Well, I want to be willing to feel that fear and still take the action. So I want to be willing to feel my emotions there instead of um, avoiding them and not taking the action because it's just, that's the easier path. And our brain, our primitive brain, always, I'm pointing to my head, which you can't see. Our primitive brain always wants to take the easiest path. Our primitive brain is very lazy. It does not want to do the uncomfortable thing. And so that's why we get into that avoidance of emotion. And so that's the second place where you're not going to take the action you want to be taking is if you're in avoidance. Okay. And what's the third way? And then maybe we'll give people some suggestions for how to yeah. get out of them. <laughs> yeah. I've got a couple tips. Um, <laughs> Um, the third one I call tunnel vision, and it's the focusing on the negative. And it's the same thing. Our primitive brain is hardwired to seek pleasure, avoid pain, and um, keep doing the same thing. I call it rinse and repeat, but just like homeostasis, keep in the same place, even if it's miserable. Mm -hmm. If you're heartbroken and you keep dating men who are unavailable, your, your primitive brain wants you to keep doing that. It doesn't want you to change, even though you're miserable, which is so interesting um, because it's trying to be efficient. It's an efficiency thing for our primitive brain. That's why it is, is that way. And it always wants to stay on that same thinking path. So tunnel vision is that avoid pain um, area of our primitive brain where it's going to focus on what's going wrong. What are you not doing? What did you fail on today? How'd you do that wrong? What went wrong? Um, how'd you screw that up, right? So our primitive brain is just going to stay there and focus on the negative to keep us from taking any more action, taking any more risks is what the primitive brain thinks, right? Yep. And so tunnel vision is just focusing on the negative. And if we don't pay attention to our brain, it will do that. That's its default. It's like if you took your brain out of the package when it first came, that's the default setting is that it's going to focus on the negative. Okay. So that's interesting that we got there. Well, before we go on to the next thing, actually, cause I want to, I'm going to circle back to that, okay. that tunnel okay. vision thing. Well, if you're ha experiencing any of these things, any, like if, if someone listening is like, oh my God, that's me. I always have tunnel vision or, you know, I'm always avoiding it. What, what's next? Like how, and, and, and maybe everyone's just connecting for the first time. Like I thought there was just something wrong with me that I couldn't take action, right? So hopefully this is a hopeful message that actually if you can fix, if you can change that part, then perhaps action will be easier, right? So a hundred percent. So how, how do we, how do we do that? How do we change it, that piece, that piece of the story so that action can be on the other side, can be the next step versus our spinning and our inaction. Yeah. So it's kind of a two-step process. And the first step is just being aware and knowing that you have a brain and your brain is functioning perfectly normally and you're not alone. I, mm -hmm. I say to myself, oh, look, I'm human. <laughs> mm -hmm. There I am being human again. Um, and so that's the first step wherever you are. If, you, if one of these really calls you out and you're like, holy crap, I'm totally Ms. Tunnel Vision. That's me, right? Um, so know that you're not alone, know that there's nothing wrong with you and know that your brain's functioning normally, which I used to say all the time before my stroke. And now I'm like, oh, this is really good news. <laughs> Thank goodness. My brain is functioning normally and it's saying all these terrible things to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And so for judgment, um, the, the antidote to the first kind of thinking that self-judgment is compassion. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we think that if we're compassionate to ourselves when we quote unquote screw up, that that means we're going to quit or we're just going to like go back in the cave, so to speak, and not continue to take action. But it's actually the opposite. Or eat the popcorn um, again. <laughs> right? Exactly. We're like, yeah. we're going to eat all the popcorn and then go to the store and buy more popcorn. Right. right. <laughs> I may, may have done that once or twice in my life. Um, yeah. So the first, the antidote to that is compassion and to thinking compassionate thoughts about yourself. Um, that's so, so important. And it will actually get you to taking more action. We think, like I said, we just think that means that we're weak or something. It's like, absolutely not. Throwing love at yourself and being completely compassionate. What I say to myself is, oh, there I am being human again, made a mistake, right. said the wrong thing, ate the popcorn, didn't tell my husband how I really feel. Right. <laughs> right. There I go being human again. Let's try that again. I love what you said at the very beginning. Like we get we, we can get second chances. We can have all the chances we need. I'm, I'm here for all the chances I need because I know I'm going to need a lot of second, third, fourth chances. And I want right. to sign up for that because I just want to keep growing. Right. Right. And I suspect that your audience is very much a group of people who they're all about growth. They're, right. they're trying to become even better versions of themselves, but that right. doesn't mean we have to throw our current version of ourselves under the bus. Right. We are where we are and we right. can move forward. Right. Yeah. yeah, I think that's really important, the and, that and piece right there, because definitely you cannot have a vision for your future from a place of lack right now. And I think something that a lot of, or at least maybe I bought in two years ago, and maybe what sort of started to uncover, that I needed to start to uncover, was this idea that then I always had to somehow at least look happy, you know, or like figure right. out a way to find the good feeling instead of the bad feeling as a way to constantly be in that, you know, upward growth cycle. Um, and, you know, more recent in more recent years, I've really realized how important it is to, that that's not the point. Like you also, you have to, the and piece is really important. I can be super sad about something and find the next step that's going to move me toward being more happy. Or, you know, I can be super frustrated with something and take the next step of, um, you know, finding a solution that's going to work for me right now. Right. Right. But the magic there is number two, which is feel the frustration. Right. Right. And so one of the things that is really common in my clients once they learn the model is they just want to work from intentional thoughts, the thoughts that we want to have, the emotions we want to have. And And I I think that's exactly what I did with myself. Yeah. 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 We talk about going to the emotion store and it's like, I want joy. I want pleasure. I want love. I want, um, you know, fun. And it's like, those emotions are awesome, but we have to be willing to feel the negative emotions where we are right now before we go forward. Yeah. Because that's, it's like, it's like you have to go through that tunnel to get out the other side, right? Right. And then you're going to be on the other side until the next time it happens. Right. Because I was going to say, I feel like it could yeah. happen weekly or daily or it hourly. It will. But it, we generally, when we genuinely, when we do intentional thinking, we are retraining our brain. We are really changing the neuropathways in our brain. And I mean, I used this when I was a teacher. I talked about brain science and the growth mindset versus fixed mindset, which I won't get into, but, but we can change our brains. We know that now. And so we can change our thinking and it will, we will, I'll go back to wanting the popcorn, but it will diminish over time as I process these emotions. And I think on purpose, something different, 
Like yep. my body is healthy. I love my body. I'm taking care of my body or whatever thought it is that I'm working on. Got it. So good. I hope everyone's getting this who's listening because it's really, it's, it's, yeah. so it's fascinating work. It um, really is. The brain is amazing. Yeah. Well, and I love, I kind of like, I think I really liked that it was about the brain when I started doing a lot of this feeling work, because I think I, for a long time, I'm a big like yoga type, you know, person. I really always associated it with my heart mm-hmm. and it became much easier to do a lot of the work I needed to do once, <laughs> once I was back into my head, because that's what had caused a lot of the problem and wanted me to yes. jump to my heart and my gut and all those other parts of my body. So, you know, I think every part has its ability, but just to understand that the brain is playing a huge piece in what, how we're showing up to our lives is amazing. Absolutely. All right. So you mentioned that you've been doing a lot of Facebook lives and that you've been (laughs) pushing through some fear. And I just want to say that I, you know, have really, you know, I've been doing this work for a couple of years now, but this summer, we just, we just got through and Laura met me after this was true. But for all of you listening who are part of it, we just got through an amazing um, summit experience where we got to listen to 25 plus just amazing experts in their own fields about how to really dive into their area of expertise in a 90 day period. Um, because that's the, I love just, I love what's possible in 90 days. It makes me so excited to see that. Um, and so that's that's what we were doing um, when the world sort of started to unravel around us and people who should not have been killed were killed. And it was just sort of an unbelievable moment. And yet I found myself not allowing myself to really feel the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, some of that was due to the fact that I literally didn't know enough. Like I wasn't seeing enough of it. My my media was off. It was my birthday. I was doing this event and I was a little bit tunnel visioned myself and another version of that word. Right. right. Um, and, and so I really, what, what happened after that event is we, I went through a whole process with a, a big group of people of creating their next 90 day plans. And we always have plans in four different categories in, in food and fitness, in lifestyle, in OM, which I sort of call spirituality and self-care and work. Mm -hmm. And so my spiritual goal for this next 90 days is really about feeling my feelings and doing that work. Cause I don't think you ever really stop doing that, but I think I, I hadn't allowed enough time when coronavirus started and I had three kids home and it just, you know, it got busy and I just got to this point where that was like literally no excuse to not really feel what I was needing to feel to show up in the way that I needed to show up right now. Exactly. So I'm at the beginning of these conversations and I just want to preface all this. And we both Laura and I were talking before we went live that both of us are a little panicked at saying things wrong. And I, so I want to say that for myself, I'm always a little nervous that I'm going to say something wrong, but I'm also really committed to showing up and just talking because I'm only human and I am where I am. And, you know, maybe I'm like one step ahead of somebody and one step behind somebody and, and this is just me showing up as real <laughs> and sort of in the middle of this work, which is always kind of interesting in, in itself. Um, but I would love to know what your thoughts are on this and how this relates to what we just talked about. Um, how, how, 
how does racism like and where sort of racism fits into this this whole model and and what your thoughts are about that just because i want to make sure that anyone who's listening who is like yeah sure you're in charge of your thoughts but not not or maybe i don't feel that way or the whole world isn't so that's kind of a privileged place to be coming from like what I just because you have the model and I know you've been talking about race and you come from being a history and civics teacher I have a feeling you have some ideas about this yeah I mean I'm really at the beginning of my process of diving back into this in a really active way um I feel like I've been hitting snooze so I've been I've been enraged about injustice for a long time, but I haven't been paying close attention recently. And so I feel like I'm a beginner in a lot of ways going yeah. back into it as an activist and as a person who wants to show up as anti-racist myself. Um, but the thing that really kind of blows my mind is um, that when I think about the history of the United States and the history of the construction of race, race was, I, I could, I used to teach all the time exactly when we made up the concept of blackness. And by we, I mean um, some, some white men at a particular moment in United States history with the, with the um, intention of ensuring that poor whites aligned politically and in terms of power with wealthier whites. And so it was a very purposeful, intentional um, construction of a category of race, which biologically and genetically doesn't exist. Now, that doesn't mean that racism doesn't exist or anti-racism doesn't exist, but it means the category of race, the categories of race we've made up, don't align at all with genetics and biology. And so this is the power of thought, right? This is what I want, you know, what I talked about before, the responsibility and the credit. We get to take all the responsibility and credit um, as humans for everything we've created. And I think that's good news in this context because it means that we can reimagine this. It means that we can change this. We make everything up. Like, think about it. We make everything up. Language. I mean, I look around this room, I'm looking at my reading glasses and my phone and everything was created from thinking. And that is also true of racism and race. And so that means that we can, for me and who I want to show up as, I see the possibility that we as a society could reimagine this such that we are actively um, caring about equity and justice for everyone in a very different way in terms of all of the institutions that now have systemic oppression in them, education, healthcare, housing, finance, wealth, entrepreneurship, all of these areas have systemic oppression built into them. Um, and yeah. so we can change that yeah. with our thoughts. And that's a powerful, powerful thing. And it's a lot of work and it's going to be very emotional. <laughs> yes. And what's so interesting about that, because we're talking about feelings and, and, and thoughts leading to feelings, is that as a white woman myself, who's had, you know, I feel like there's so many, there's many different systems of oppression, right, that exist. Mm -hmm. And so the one that I've existed in has definitely been the I've, I've definitely made a lot up about my body system of how I'm supposed to look yeah. um, as a woman. 
um, which led to an eating disorder at some point in my life. Right. And then I've definitely dealt with the, the patriarchy and my place within that and whether I can work or I need to stay home and, you know, all these things that come with that. And I think that with my own thought and feeling work, when I started to get to such a better place with those two areas of oppression and feeling good, part of my privilege, which is, this is something that I feel like I've been awake to much more recently, Mm -hmm. like in the past year, is that part of my privileges is that I didn't have to feel some of the feelings that, that, you know, other women were experiencing because I could ignore them because they weren't right here in front of me in my, you know, white suburban neighborhood. And so that's where this feeling work I think is becoming really important to me because I think it is a privilege to only feel the things that come in like right into your, you know, (laughs) sphere and literally are affecting you in the moment. Um, And so it's really interesting to start to really allow myself to feel some of the feelings that I thought I never wanted to feel again. Like, you know, I thought we were so done with that. And, but, but what happens is, and I I talk about this a lot of like the spiral staircase. So you talked Mm -hmm. about always coming back to place one, but I also believe that there's a spiral staircase where we're keep going up and learning. And it's like, it's okay to come back to a feeling from a new place because you have a new perspective and then you're, you know, you're constantly climbing up those stairs. So that's a little bit where I am on it. And I'm glad that we got to have this conversation out loud. I didn't have to do it alone. So yeah, for that. So thank you. Absolutely. And I agree. I, I, I love, there's a, there's a photo that says like, I, this is my, this isn't my first rodeo. I wasn't aware that I was only supposed to have one rodeo or something, you know, like it's not my first rodeo idea, like the spiral mm-hmm. staircase. Right. It's, so it's mm-hmm. like, we can come back to like, okay, I thought I fell in love with my body, but I really didn't fall in love with my body. Mm-hmm. Okay. How do I do that again? But I'm not the same person I was right. even two weeks ago. Right. right? And so my deciding I'm going to fall in love with my body exactly as it is and want to care for it even better. I'm coming from a different place now than I was two weeks ago. Right. Um, That's the first thing that I think of when, when you're sharing this. And the second thing I'm thinking is like, it's, it's important to remember, I think that we can handle any emotion. Um, We can handle any emotion. And I think actually black women are showing us this right now and are leading the way on this, like their rage and their frustration and their, I am so done with having to sit my son down and explain to him how to, how to interact with police so that they don't get killed. Like they're so done with that, but they're still fighting and they're still showing up and they're still feeling the rage and expressing it. And that's like, that's to me just like an astounding example of how resilient we are yeah and how willing i want to be to go there and to get very uncomfortable and to be very vulnerable and to look at my own racism that i know i still have even though i consider myself somebody who's who's known about this for a long time and even studied it it doesn't matter i still have white privilege of course and i'm still living in a privileged um i'm still living a privileged life right now and so how am i going to work to do my work and take action to dismantle this these systems yeah i love that yeah but i think it's totally doable because we made it all up yeah (laughs) we humans made it all we made it all up right and so we can make up a new story 
we can, yeah, without, without denying what has occurred, being 100% acknowledging what has occurred, we can still reimagine our systems, our institutions, the ways that we educate and care for and provide health care and provide loans and provide all of those things. We can reimagine banking. We can reimagine all of it. Yeah, which actually feels, to me at least, so much more fun than the Band-Aid approach of like, right. or the tiptoe approach or, you know, whatever it is that we've been doing all these years. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. This has been so fun. So for anyone who wants to dive deeper into the, this understanding of how our feelings can really affect our actions, I know that you have a class that you share. So right? Is that true? And so we'll put the link in the show notes. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what that class is? Yeah, the class goes much deeper into this idea of action killing thinking versus action driving thinking. And I go a lot more into specific strategies you can use to recognize when you're having action killing thoughts and to um, kind of shift into action driving thought mode so that you can take the action that you intend to be taking. Um, Yeah, it's a free class and I would absolutely adore anybody who wants to take it to jump in there in the show notes and find the link and get it. (laughs) And is is that the best way to like come into your world? Yeah, I think it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I do one-on-one coaching, um, but I do a lot of free, I offer a lot of things, free classes and, and webinars and those sorts of things. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for today. This has been fun is not the right word. Um, This has been good. This has felt, I felt like I went into action despite my fear. So that felt good in the end, even though I was a little nervous going into this interview. So that's awesome. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk to you. I adore you. And I can't believe I didn't know about you until very recently. So I know. I feel lucky. Okay. Thank you so much. (laughs) All right. At the end of every episode, we always share three doable changes so you can take what you've heard and put it into action because action is where real change happens. And today, Laura shared a whole bunch of doable changes that we could do, but we chose three, the three that we feel will impact you the most. So here is the first one. Try compassion. Try it on for a week. See what it's like. Next time you do something that doesn't support your vision or your plan, First, simply notice how you feel. Then instead of beating yourself up, acknowledge that you made a mistake. It's okay that you made a mistake. And really be compassionate with yourself. And think of how often during a day you are not nice to yourself and what an amazing thing this would be to practice for a whole week. Remember, I'm about to share two more doable changes, but the idea is really to pick one, focus on one doable change each week, and you can stack them up over the course of a year or your lifetime. Imagine how many doable changes you could do. So number two, feel the negative emotions. We are really excited, right? To feel joy and excitement and fun. That's the way we want to feel. But what about disappointment or sadness or rage? Often we criticize ourselves for feeling or for the situation that led to a bad feeling, or we try to numb ourselves from the feeling altogether. So if the feeling of sadness comes up, maybe we go eat something that we don't really want to eat, or we drink wine. Maybe we drink a couple more glasses of wine than we really want. Maybe we turn on Netflix and just go numb and keep watching. 
Maybe we scroll through social media and all these things might switch our emotions for a minute, but in the end, they don't make us feel any better. So let yourself feel the emotion. Experiment with this for a week if this is the one you play with. Really name the negative emotion as it comes up. Feel it in your body and know it will go away, but avoiding it altogether does not help anything, especially if you're trying to take action, which... I know that a lot of you are trying to take action in some part of your life. And when we end up not feeling our feelings, we really, that's when we end up in that spiral of overwhelm that that we can't get out of. Okay. The last doable change is to spend a week practicing revisiting and really understand what that means for you. So we use the analogy in my conversation of the spiral staircase or not my first rodeo to talk about the idea that just because we face something or we're facing it again doesn't mean that we're that we're done, that we won't have to face it again. So whether it's your confidence or your body image or some part of your relationship, we're likely to find something we thought we were done with come back. And a lot of times that makes us feel like we're, we're just, we just keep starting over, like it's Groundhog Day and we keep getting back to, to step one. But the truth is, it's, it's that staircase. We're, we're back to the same thing, but as a new person. So practice what that's like. How are you compassionate with yourself when you notice that you've been here before, that this seems like a similar choice to something you've done yesterday, the week before, five years before, and you're wondering how you can look at it differently this time. And then you're able to choose an action aligned with your vision. So this one might involve just some deep thinking. It might involve some writing and reflection and really understanding this for yourself so that as these experiences come into your your being, you, you can find compassion for yourself because you know you're on that next level. All right, that's what I got for you today. I hope you liked what you heard. If you did, please consider going, heading on over to iTunes and leaving us a review. Reviews help us get more people listening. They help us find more people who would find this content useful. So especially if you think we deserve five stars, head on over to iTunes, really go do it, whatever you want. But Go head on over to iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. And if you feel so inclined, you can even tag us and we may have a prize for you if you do that this week. All right. I will see you all on the next episode. Bye for now. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Plan Simple podcast. If you loved what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give is to share the podcast with a friend. And if you really loved what you heard, if you want to go onto iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review, that really helps us get the best guests we can and improve the podcast so that we're serving up exactly what you want to hear. I will see you on the next episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. Bye for now.